As many as 75% of adolescent boys are unhappy with their bodies. We've talked about boys and body image. Today we're talking about how to help boys develop healthy bodies and a healthy body image. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We're your co-hosts, Janet Allison of boysalive.com and Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. I get to talk to Janet every week and share with her some of my boy-raising frustrations and get encouragement and input. And now, listeners, you can too. Her Decoding Your Boy program includes monthly support and the themes are everything that you are worried about school and homework, screen time and video games, siblings, the importance of dad. Janet, you've got everything here. You know, I've been listening to parents for what, 20 years now, and things center around a theme. And we know that there's always the boy development questions and the boy communication questions, but wrapping them around a theme actually enables us to get our heads around it. So Decoding Your Boy is a monthly program. You can join anytime throughout the year and we get on Zoom together. You are live with me. This is not recorded videos. It's not a course. This is what's going on for you right now. What are your questions? I'm going to be answering them. We're going to be doing some coaching together. It is on the spot, real time with me live. I want you to be able to forge that deeper relationship with him that you have long desired and that you all deserve to have. So go to boysalive.com slash decode. No matter what time of the year you're hearing this, you are welcome. You can join us. We meet on the first and 15th of every month. Decoding your boy, less yelling, more connecting. Isn't that what we all want, Jen? It's what I want. Boysalive.com slash decode. And join a global community of like-minded parents. See you there. As many as 75% of adolescent boys, that is three out of four, are dissatisfied with their bodies. And that dissatisfaction leads many of them to TikTok and Instagram, where they encounter unrealistic images of chiseled abs and chest and shoulders and workout and nutrition programs that influencers swear will help them get that body. Our boys are just as susceptible to body image pressure and bad dietary and fitness advice as we were. And as many of us still are, frankly. We have talked before about boys. We've talked about body image, nutrition, supplement use. Today, we're going to talk about how we can help our boys develop healthy bodies and a healthy body image. And joining us are Charlotte Markey, 
author of a new book, Being You, The Body Image Book for Boys, and Ed Frauenheim, a repeat on Boys Guest and author of Reinventing Masculinity, The Liberating Power of Compassion and Connection. Welcome, you two. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Why, until really recently, has there been so little discussion of boys and body image and boys and men and eating disorders? Well, I think it's because we've been asking the wrong questions for a long time. So we have been asking girls about weight loss and concerns about their appearance and wanting to be smaller. And when we started doing research and asking boys those same questions, it seemed like they weren't resonating. They weren't because a lot of times boys weren't trying to lose weight and they weren't worried about being smaller because they're growing up in a world that tells them to be bigger and to be Mm -hmm. more muscular. So the research has gotten better over the last 10 to 15 years. And I think we're asking the right questions. And I also think some boys are starting to finally talk and admit that these are concerns because we feminized this issue for so long. Boys are afraid to admit Mm. that it's a concern for them. I I think Charlotte's totally on, on point there. And just to add to that, Jen, I think another factor is the way that social media in recent years has intensified the issue, especially during the pandemic, where there's a lot more time people, young men and boys are spending on screens and and seeing these influencers, as you mentioned at the outset, Jen, just create these bodies that are almost impossible to create, but but that make a lot of other boys feel insecure about their bodies in uh, that sort of culture of comparison. So I think that when connect with Charlotte saying about uh, asking the right questions um, with this sort of intensification of, of the male gaze or the teen boy gaze at each other, largely uh, through social media, that's where we, we kind of have put us in this problematic situation today. Speaking of social media, I asked in my Facebook group, what are your boys saying? And I put the 75% in there and, and what are you hearing from your boys? And one mom, Megan responded and she said, my 13 year old has been dissatisfied with his body since about 11. So probably about the time he was tuning into social media. He's a tall and sturdy kid, but not overweight. He's been in the 95 percentile since he was born. He'll probably be well over six feet when he's fully grown. He frequently tells me that he weighs too much, and I don't know where that comes from. We don't talk about weight at home, and neither has this doctor, but he feels it regardless. He's 13. Yeah, it's incredibly common, and it's so frustrating. I know to see this, especially if you're a parent who's been really thoughtful and careful and trying to do everything right when it comes to these issues. And then you see your kids concerned anyways. Um, But, you know, there's research suggesting that even among six-year-old boys, about 50% of them start saying that they would look better with muscles, that boys and men with more muscles look better. And I mean, six-year-olds don't have muscles, really. So, right, right. Um, right. You know, I it, mean, even, even so your young. strongest six-year-old <laughs> is not going to look like a superhero. It's just oh. biologically, anatomically, that's not how they're created. 
Jen, you mentioned superheroes. I was going to ask. So, how much of this is tied in with the Marvel, the Marvel world, and the Marvel men, the Marvel men, and how do we separate that out for our boys? I mean, I think this is a really kind of easy one to talk about with kids. Some of this can be touchy and more awkward, I know, for parents, but talking about superheroes and sort of how unrealistic some media is, um, I think is really important. And even young kids can understand that conversation and they might not internalize it right away. That's why we want to start early and often, Um, you know, know, they're going to be getting messages. uh, It seems like it should be easy to say, well, you know how Superman doesn't really fly. He doesn't really look like that. It seems like it should be easy, but it's almost harder because our kids do realize and partly due to, you know, magazines and social media, there are human males who turn themselves into this for the movie. If they can do it, so can I. And on some level, you know, that that's uh, absurd for a six-year-old, but he thinks maybe someday. And the 14 year old thinks, well, if I follow that workout and nutrition routine, maybe someday. You know, when they're reading stories online about Chris Pratt losing 60 pounds in in six months um, to be in Guardians of the Galaxy, then it seems like, oh, okay, I can do that. But I think we need to remind our kids that that's their job. That is what they're doing for six months. Mm -hmm. If you do nothing else for six months, but go to the gym, work with a personal trainer and a personal chef, you might stand a chance of being able to do what Chris Pratt did. But when you're a kid, your job is to go to school and to focus on learning and set yourself on a path towards adulthood that's healthy. And going to the gym all day long is not in the cards. And also another thing that strikes me about the issue is the way that those body images have actually gotten more extreme over the last couple of decades. And, and I think Charlotte, your your book alerted me to this fact that like even like the figurines that, uh, of, of superheroes uh, and in the movies we see too, like that the bodies are more chiseled, the biceps are bigger, uh, the abs are more d- defined. It makes it even harder for, for, for young men today to kind of navigate this, this territory. And when you see those kind of images, and that's probably part of what has motivated the, the actual people in these, in the world, these influencers, uh, but, but, you know, they're not having a good experience either. You know, I think that the New York times just did us a service along with, with Charlotte's book with uh, an article this recently that talked about how you know, those influences themselves are struggling mentally and socially they can't fit in all they do is work out they're always worried about their bodies you know it's a pretty sad portrait of what what comes from obsessing about this body image stuff you know i i read an, a different article recently which i'll put in the show notes that talked about a common but not commonly known secret is that a lot of the uh actors athletes and influencers that people encounter on instagram on tiktok they are using steroids. So even for the genetically blessed people that have the budgets and other people paying for the personal trainers and, and all this time at the gym, it still doesn't necessarily happen in a way that is healthy for your body. And that is such a difficult message to get across to, you know, Janet, a 13 year old boy who just wants to look what he deems attractive. Attractive and like the other guys. 
you know, it's, I mean, they are definitely influenced by social media, but there's also just the peer pressure of the kids sitting next to them in, in seventh grade. And that place where our boys develop so radically differently, different timeline for each boy. Charlotte, how do we communicate that for our seventh grader who's sitting there going, uh, I don't have any muscles and look at that guy. He's ripped and he and just he's happened. got a mustache and he's got a mustache. <laughs> I mean, it is so middle school is so, so radically different in body types for girls. But, but I think boys, we know boys develop later. I'm just remembering the day I dropped my daughter off at ninth grade, first day in high school, and to see these, you know, voluptuous girls and these boys that still look like they should be back in elementary school. And by the time they're all seniors, the boys have pretty much caught up. But to be that, I'll put it in air quotes, little boy walking into high school in ninth grade. I mean, and maybe Ed, you can speak to this too, just from being a guy of like, what is that like? And you're looking around at these other guys and maybe you are into sports, maybe you're not, but you kind of want to look like everybody else. I'll jump in on the personal side, Janet, because you described me to a T. I I, I wanted to say, unfortunately, but no, I'm going to challenge my own uh, self-loathing there. But I was that little kid uh, in ninth grade still. I was like one of the latest bloomers, latest puberty guys. uh, And a lot of my friends, as soon as they hit puberty or even a little bit before, started going to a a gym. uh, and, And I felt that pressure. And I also, at that point, you know, had kind of a fixed mindset about sort of strength and muscle stuff. And I didn't really believe that I, I could become more than a relatively skinny guy. Um, and uh, it was a source of, of, of kind of some shame and anxiety for me through, through sort of the early parts of high school, especially. So I think, I think you're right about that. And, and I am, I'd be curious about kind of what advice you would give Charlotte to parents and, and, and boys wrestling with, with those, those questions. Yeah, I want to just step back really quick to comment too on your remark about steroid use, because we seem to think that that's just professionals or athletes and a national representative survey that was done just recently um, in the U.S. found that 3% of boys are using steroids and another uh, 7% or so are using supplements. Um, so, so it's, it's seeping in to younger, uh, populations Mm -hmm. as well, because as you said, this is not, these images are not realistic. They're not possible. Um, we're all really constrained by our physiology in terms of how tall we're going to get, how big we're going to get, how muscular we're going to be. Um, and yet the cultural messages we constantly get are, you know, if you just work a little harder, or if you just try this, or you just yes. buy this product, then you can make yourself into this uh, superhero action figure in real life. And that's not how this really works. And so then, yeah, kids are going to start to turn to supplements or um, even steroids. And so I think we really want to be careful how we're talking about these issues in our home. And in terms of advice for parents, I, I can kind of categorize it into like big picture advice and then some behavioral advice. And the 
big picture advice is really in sync with everything Ed talks about in his book, which is just how are we talking about masculinity and what it means to be a man? And are we challenging the culture in terms of you don't need to be a superhero either literally or figuratively, right? You don't need to look like one. You don't need to be stoic and strong like one. You don't need to man up or not be a wimp. You can be vulnerable. You can have feelings. You can be connected with other people. Um, You don't need to embody masculinity in these really stereotypical ways. So enlarging our ideas and expanding our boys' ideas as well as to what a man can look like what a man can can be because you you're right so many there's this picture that pops into our head and most guys don't fit that picture there's such a wide variety of men just as there are women and that is a beautiful thing but that that level of diversity is not celebrate that maybe draw attention to that in our own homes communities and families we can start moving the needle And part of it too is looking at if if you are not adopted, if you're in your family line, look at grandpa, look at uncles. And, you know, maybe there, there are some strong superhero types, but, you know, if I were to look at my family, the men in my family, it's like, yeah, we're just kind of pretty average. And that's exactly the kind of thing that frankly depresses most teenagers, Janet. Let's be real. True. And like (laughs) I remember being 16 and my mom told me, you look just like my sister. And according to my mom, her sister was gorgeous. I didn't see this aunt from the age of six to 16 because she moved away. And when I saw her, she Uh was a middle-aged woman (laughs) and I did not think she was gorgeous. And so to tell a 14 year old boy to look at your grandpa, your uncle, and he's like, uh, no, thank you. Yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll take that point, Jen. I'll take that point. But I mean, it's more like, you know, people in our family are not six feet tall. There's that. It's recalibrating expectations, I think. And that's really important, right? (laughs) So if the expectations that boys are getting because they're on social media, they're going to the Marvel movies that are out, I feel like they're out like five times a year now, um, then their expectation is just for a completely different embodiment of manhood. But that's where it's useful. Though. You know, I tell my son, it's like, your dad's five, nine, and I'm five, four and a half. So odds of you, yeah. you know, six, five, very yeah. slim child, <laughs> you know, just like, keep it in mind. Like yeah. you're, you know, he's, he's five, 10 now like that. Maybe it. Yeah. Good job, boy. You yeah. know, yeah. I do want to kind of give a little bit of a defense to the Marvel movies in, in another er, arena, because I think they are trying to provide a bit more of that diversity of emotional intelligence, say, and vulnerability. Some of that uh, has come through in some of the, the characters, like Iron Man and, and Spider-Man. Um, but I do think that, you know, it's not getting at the, that body image. Uh, mm. core, you know, that's, you know? So that's super interesting. Ed, it's almost like culturally we can make a move in one realm. So, all right, we're going to add emotions, but we can't possibly do emotions and a realistic body image. You can, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you can be sensitive if you look like the rock. Right. And he is becoming one of the most sensitive actors in different movies he's in. So uh, I think that's interesting. And, and just to pull the thread forward to, to um, adult males, you know, I think what Charlotte's work has done for me is kind of point out that we, as men, we often don't even uh, acknowledge how we're affected by these these stereotypes. Mm. 
and, and that we are we kind of feel crappy about ourselves because we're not looking like that, that uh, perfect body you know even though if i'm a, i'm a generation older or two from from the, the teenagers of today i'm 54 now but i still think that we have this expectation to be super strong and and invincible in a way and uh, as i mentioned some of you know I, I had a heart attack last year partly because i was trying to you know live out that impossible stereotype of being invincible and 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 kind of unstoppable and working too much you know that's not healthy and and i think this episode is sponsored by by heart babies need to eat and whether you breastfeed or bottle feed use formula combine all of the above you need options we wanted to let you know about by heart baby formula Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin and I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot Easy Melts. E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash on boys. If we can have those conversations about what is a healthy way to treat your body, to develop your body, to be fit uh, early on and, and to, to see that we can have limits to that that's that. important. I think that is one of the big issues with boys, teens, and uh, young adult males. We are growing up, most of us, we've grown up in the society that is very fat phobic. You don't want to be fat, you, you know, so there is this, you want to be fit, which we define as thin and, you know, healthy is working out and eating well. 
But sometimes, especially for boys, this can tip over into obsession. And so a parent might think, oh, good for him. You know, he's 13. So he's working out really hard and he's eating clean. But Charlotte, that can turn into a problem. Yeah, it can really snowball and turn into a problem pretty quickly, actually. And what's most concerning to me as a psychologist is that oftentimes parents and medical professionals don't realize it, as you say, because we value physical activity as we should. It's really important for our health and we value eating well, again, as we should, but we don't tend to then pull back and see sort of the big picture and say, wait, is it not such a good idea if you're going to the gym for three hours and you don't have enough time to sleep or you're not getting your homework done? Or if you won't eat dessert on your birthday, Mm -hmm. that's a problem, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Where we, I think, are reluctant to see those extremes and recognize them as problematic. And most of the boys I interviewed when I was working on being you who had actually been diagnosed with an eating disorder, they said they didn't even know really what it was or what they were experiencing and their doctor didn't and their parents didn't. And it was like things had to get pretty bad in most cases before some sort of medical professional could step in and say, wait a second, this is not healthy anymore. Um, So we want to, I think, be a little more attuned to the fact that these extremes are really problematic and, you know, or you're a, you know, 16 year old Olympian or something, you you shouldn't be exercising all day long. Mm -hmm. Like you should be doing other things with your time. Charlotte, I really want want to talk about your book and how you came to write it. It is the most friendly book. You open it and it's cheerful and it's small chunk sizes, which we know is perfect for boys. Uh, It was fun to open it because we have several friends that we've interviewed on the On Boys podcast, Una Hansen and Dr. Karen Natterson. So it was fun to see some friendly friendly faces there. Um, Tell us about this book. Yeah. So I I think your description is you know, exactly what we were trying to do, that it's all evidence-based. There's a lot of good scientific information about body image and health and mental health, but I try to sneak that in amongst fun stuff that boys are going to be really, I hope, interested in reading. So we have um, personal narratives from boys. We have Q&A. We have some myth and misinformation debunking. Um, And I think it's really important to keep it just super accessible. You can read little bits here and there. You don't have to read it from cover to cover. Um, I love what the design team did with the, the color and the that's all other people and they deserve all the credit in the world because it's just such a amazing experience to send like this boring word document to a team of people (laughs) and then you know a few months later see what they do and you know no one would ever buy these books I've written without them looking prettier or more fun here's my plan I have an advanced reading copy of the book and I'm going to put it in the boys bathroom upstairs that's my plan 
Oh, good plan, Jen. You know, this really is a book that you can just pick up open and there's one little blurb. There's one little box of somebody's real story. I like that you included talking about good food to eat and also about mental health. There's a big chunky chapter on mental health in there also. Yeah. And I think, you know, in my, in sort of my perfect world, I always tell parents like, buy these books for kids when your kids are, you know, 10 and start reading them with them. And that's not going to work for every family I know, or maybe your kid's already 14. Um, and so that moment maybe has passed somewhat, but you know, if you're not going to engage with them directly, I think it's fun for parents to flip through too, because some of the questions that kids have parents also have about these issues and, I love the strategy of leaving it in the bathroom or um, I always am doing this with both of my teenagers where I just put them on their bed and, you know, they know what I'm doing because they know what I do for a living. So we joke about it actually, but um, I left the, the vagina Bible for my daughter, Jen Gunter's book when it came out and my daughter came home and said, what are you doing? doing mom again, but you know, then she took pictures of it, sent it to all her friends. So they, they often pretend they're not interested. That doesn't mean that they don't actually open them or get something out of them. So um, my, I, I love that strategy. <laughs> my second son um, for Christmas a year ago gave me and my husband a, I think it's a 16 by 24 photograph blown up of him. Um, and part of it, he is holding Peggy Ornstein's boys and sex, because that was another book that we did on the podcast. And I just, I left laying around the house and apparently the boys, uh, thought that was a bit much and come on mom, really? And yeah, I'll, I'll show you the picture sometime, Janet. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes, put it in the, you should put that in the show notes. That's amazing. (laughs) When we're talking about boys and body image and they're concerned about their appearance. One place this crosses with parents is in this issue of hygiene. And I (laughs) loved a phrase in your book. You use the phrase adaptive appearance investment, (laughs) which is basically, you know, it's fine to, you know, spend some time on yourself, but when it goes overboard, you know, this, this can be a problem. A lot of our parents are divided between those who are like, my son will never take a shower. And then the others are, my son will never get out of the shower. (laughs) Help us, Ed and Charlotte, help us. Well, I'd love to hear Ed speak to this as, as a man, but I will say that when I was working on the section on hygiene, one of my co-authors, who's a man, um, and I actually got in a disagreement about how to interpret the literature on how often one should shower, because I had very explicitly said that I thought that should be a daily occurrence. And he was suggesting that um, the dermatological research uh, suggested that it really wasn't necessary on a daily basis, and that we should be a little more vague in the language. So as a parent, I'm pretty happy with pushing kids towards the shower every day. And, you know, adaptive appearance investment is a phrase I love because I think when we talk about body image, people often think that means like 
you just accept yourself. You're just happy with yourself and that's all you're aiming for. And you don't ever do anything to yourself. And if you do that, that's somehow maladaptive. You know, we do want kids to shower. We do want them to care a little bit. That's just sort of normal. It's, it's actually kind of deviant to not care at all about your appearance or your, your hygiene. And I always use the example, like if I just showed up in my pajamas at work, like I would be more comfortable, but that would be weird. Like, I don't know that they could fire me for that, but it would be weird. That's sort of an extreme, but I think it's, it's a good way to explain to kids like, listen, it's okay to care a certain amount, but this isn't the most important thing about you. I, I love that explanation, Charlotte. And um, I, I have one of those boys who doesn't get out of the shower, uh, although now he's not in, he's not living at home anymore, Jen. So he's, he's taking up shower time in the California Conservation Corps um, fighting wildfires this year as a 19 year old. Um, but I think that that question of, uh, you know, the, the book to me, when I read it, just had so much con- good common sense, Charlotte, that you put in there. And it helped me realize that my son, you know, he's in a territory where he could tip into that unhealthy approach to the, the body image because he's interested in working out. He's now with a bunch of young men, you know, on a firefighting station, uh, kind of remotely. And they spent a lot of time in the gym. And he, now he's taking protein supplements and I'm trying to give him what I've learned is the research that most of that you're just peeing out. It's not even effective. You get enough right. protein in your, in your general diet. And so I, I think you've helped me see that. I just want to be mindful of that and, you know, share some of him, share with him, your book, share some other resources. So he's uh, got some, you know, maybe he'll say, I don't want to read it dad, but it's kind of like book in the bathroom kind of thing. Um, and one other thing I want to add is that like, I think a lot of men reading Charlotte's book uh, will benefit from it individually. Like I, I definitely kind of unearthed some of my deeper feelings around self-worth and attitudes around body image that I, you know, they were kind of deeply buried. And so I, I think, I think you might've said this early, earlier, Jen or Janet, that like, yeah, there's benefits, not just for, for the boys, but for, for men as well. I appreciate you sharing that about your son, Ed, because it underscores the fact that we all live in this society. These messages are everywhere. And you know what? There is a a big tub of protein powder in the boys upstairs bathroom right now that Mm. I know the 18 year old brought home and I know he was using for a while. And we've had the same discussions, but I am Mm -hmm. one voice and it's It's hard to be the one voice saying this when they are surrounded by all these other ones saying, work out, take the protein powder, bulk up. It's so hard. I think it goes back to, and you know, as you said, Charlotte, for some, for some of you, it's a little on the later side, but this is really important going back to talking to that six-year-old boy and having those conversations early. And Jen Mm. and I are always talking about all the conversations you have to have with your boys, but the earlier, the better, because this puberty is coming regardless. And this pressure to appear a certain way is out there. It's not going away. And so to begin to talk about it early, my grandson is two and a half weeks old. Do you think it's too early to start? (laughs) I think your best chance of him listening is right now. (laughs) Can I add one other good, one other question that comes to my mind about, about this body image stuff that I think Charlotte's book raises and 
Uh, and we're seeing it in the broader culture too, you know, in everywhere from the, the Ukraine situation to, to our national politics, but it's about what are these muscles for? Like, why do we want to get so bulked up? And I, because I think that can good, raise some questions about like, good point. I mean, we don't talk about what they're for. You just want them. So they look good on Instagram, right? It, it, maybe that's, and if that's enough, maybe, you know, then that can raise questions. Well, what, why that? Is, are you trying to be right? healthy? And, and is that healthy? But I think there's what for me is a little bit of a disconcerting rationale for a lot of guys or a lot of the pressures is to use muscles to beat people up. That there's a, there's a domination element of masculinity that's behind some of this muscle focus. Recently, there was a, you know, a viral video about Russian troops being all buff and and we and in contrast we have a female american soldier who's um talking about her great family relationships and one of our public leaders was talking about how this was we're becoming pansies i think it's important to challenge or question like what do you want these muscles for is it to like be healthy is it to is it to dominate people when because let's maybe challenge that is it maybe to do things to build things, to be on, be more capable as yeah. a, as a, with a body. So that's a question I, I I think maybe we can introduce as well. I love that Ed. That is that is gold, right? What there. do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? And I'm gonna bring this back. You know, I kind of made fun before. You know, pointing our boys to like the older men in their families and being like, "Hey, look what you have to look forward to." But the <laughs> truth of the matter is, the things that that we most of us really want out of life, right? You want to to love and to be loved. You want to make a difference in your community. You want to contribute in some way. Yeah, all right. Maybe you're not in love with grandpa's body, but look at what grandpa has done with his life and grandpa has a grandma in his life or, you know, like let's talk about what is really important in life and all kinds of bodies do all kinds of different and amazing things. And Ed, you just brought it back. What is all this for? What do we want to do? I really want to do more in life than just be a picture, be an appearance. An activity I love to do with students or um, groups when I speak in person is I will sometimes say, just think of people you admire. Who are people that you admire? And there's always someone in the audience who will say like my mom, or, you know, my grandma or my aunt or whoever. And then people will say, you know, Rosa Parks or Martin Luther King, or, you know, they'll name historical figures. And I'll say, well, why do you admire these people? And, you know, it's because they are loving, because they did something important historically, because they embody who we want to be for some reason, their qualities or characteristics. And then I'll say, well, what do they look like? And does it matter? especially with, you know, maybe a figure like Rosa Parks, I'll say like, what does she look like? And a lot of times, you know, I'll have an audience and people, they don't even know, no one really is sure. Right. Or you kind of have like a stereotype image in your mind, but what this person looks like is just actually almost completely irrelevant. And it's a message that we just have lost because we are living in such an appearance focused culture. And so much of what we're seeing is just how people look on screens. And it's just really easy to think that that's all that matters. And so I think, again, going back to sort of the big messages we want to get better at communicating about in our families is just 
like Ed said, what is this all for? What is this all about? What is most important? And um, it seems like strange advice sometimes from a body image scientist to, to keep trying to say like, actually your body isn't as important, right? Like mm-hmm. this is what I study. This is what I do for a living. And yet at the end of the day, I want you to know, like, this is the, one of the least interesting things about you. Mm-hmm. And just to build on that, I, I, I just was coming across uh, the Harvard research on uh, health over 75 years of those um, men and, and people in the community. Now some women are in this too, but the, the most important thing for health and happiness is not your level of physical fitness, it's your relationships. That's what, that's the main finding they have. So and, and to some extent, this body uh, obsession can actually undermine your relationships. And mm. when you're not going out for your birthday, you're not having, you know, friends because you're too busy pumping iron. So I think if we can help our kids remember and see that longer term perspective, like really build, build your muscles, but more importantly, build your friendships. That is such a good ending. Jen, do you want to wrap it up? I'm busy taking all of this in and thinking about how to apply it in my life. You know, listeners, I think most of us, if we are honest, we still struggle with body image. I, there's very few of us that every day feel hundred percent confident in the bodies that we're in. So this is helpful for me to look at this reframe and to think about how I can carry this forward with my kids, how we can all carry this conversation forward. And yes, acknowledge these pressures that are out there be alert for the red flags, um, behaviors that you kind of want to watch that might be tipping into an unhealthy area. And then really focus on what do you want to do? Who do you want to be? And who do you want in your life? And have that be the focus of our families. We can go a long way with that. And the shower time, it all works out in the end. (laughs) Charlotte, tell us your book. It comes out, I believe it's April 7th, correct? Yes. April 7th is the big day. Order a copy of the book, put it on your kitchen table, put it in the bathroom. The boys will look at it. I promise. They will. And you can find out whatever information you want from the book's webpage. It's just the bodyimagebookforboys.com and it links to order there. But if you're just still not quite sure, go ahead and look around on the webpage and there's lots of information there. Awesome. And that will be in the show notes because Jen will put it there. Ed, thank you so much for being here again, a repeat guest of On Boys. Thanks so much for having me again. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for your wisdom, for sharing your insights today. I think our boys are going to be moving a step forward with this. And as you said, Ed, men too. This is a book for everybody. I learned a lot just opening it up and scanning some pages. So congratulations, Charlotte. I know writing a book is always a massive undertaking. And this is a brilliant, brilliant addition to supporting our boys to be grow into healthy, happy men. Thank you so much. Yay. I appreciate your, you. your endorsement. It's been so fun to talk with all of you today. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget about decoding your boys, less yelling, more connecting around things like body image, but also screens and video games, anger, how to get him to listen. So many topics we're covering live twice a month. Boysalive.com slash decode would love to have you join us. And as always, 
Thank you for being our listeners. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends. And most of all, thank you for raising your boys into great men. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.